smile on your face, I don't know what will. We have assurance. We have an anchor. And it's coming from the throne. And so thank you for that encouragement in a day that there are many things that might discourage us. They shouldn't. We should be encouraged knowing that, uh, that God is in charge. He is in charge. Hey, do you, do you have your letter? Y'all have got your letter? What letter? Oh, well, I have Jordan Peterson's letter. Jordan, will you come up here and get this? I see, uh, I have been trying to email this letter to Faith. Now, it's Jordan's letter, but it's going to Faith Baptist Bible College. And I've been trying to do it. I get to the last one. It won't let, let me answer the last question. And so, uh, and then when I try to figure it out, it goes kaput someplace. And, and so there are three of these things traveling around out there. And so I printed it out. This is Jordan's letter. Now, it doesn't go to Jordan. I'm going to give it to Jordan. It's about Jordan. But it goes to someplace else. Jordan, here's your letter. It's a letter of commendation. So, uh, yeah, don't read it. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so the letters of commendation, somebody wants to know what I think about somebody else. And so uh, that's a letter of commendation. Now, sometimes you, those are tricky because you might not have it might be a tough letter to write, and you don't want to get sued, and so you have to be creative, like, I cannot say enough good things about Jordan Peterson. <laughs> and then they say, well, why not? Well, maybe, no, in Jordan's case, uh, I didn't say that, but maybe I would have to say that. It's kind of like saying, uh, you know, a hot dish like that doesn't last long in our house. Uh, now, if I've said that to you, I meant that in a good way. I, I did. I, I meant it in a good way. It meant we just gobbled it right up. Uh, not any other ways. Uh, and so if I use that, if I tell you that in the future, uh, I'm, I'm always meaning it in a good way. Uh, but sometimes it might not be. Um, in Paul's day, they carried around letters of commendation. Now, this is Paul's satchel. Now, I don't know how it wound up in, uh, in an antique shop in a little town in Peru, but it did. I don't know how it traveled from Israel, but it's got written, he woodburned his, uh, his name, Apostle Paul, right on the underside of this, so it's got to be true, right? No, kids, this isn't the Apostle Paul's satchel. Seth picked this up for me when he was in Peru, but... In Paul's day, they wore satchels. Okay, I think I'm still on. They wore satchels, and they would carry this around. Now, Paul was a tent maker, so I don't know what he made his satchel out of. Probably that polyurethane uh, or uh, Gore-Tex materials they use in tents today. Uh, maybe not. Maybe just fabric. But they would carry the satchel around, and in the satchel, Paul would carry his ink, uh, hopefully with the, the cork stuck tightly in the bottle, and a quill, maybe several quills, writing instruments, and parchments, uh, rolled up paper of various uh, uh, types, and then he would 
carry around, and also others, especially others, would carry letters of commendation. So if they were going to travel to another, a merchant traveling to another city, uh, maybe going to Corinth from Rome, they'd find a friend in Rome that knew or had a friend in Corinth, and they would have this friend write a letter Give it to this guy, and he would. It's a letter of commendation. This guy's on the up and up. Jordan Peterson's an okay guy. Uh, he'll do fine in college, or or you can do business with this guy because he is uh, he is honest. He's reliable. I vouch for him. I want to verify uh, that he is a good guy, and he would carry this letter. He would get to uh, Corinth, look this businessman up and say, here's a letter from your friend in Rome saying that it's all right for you to do business with me because I'm an honest guy. And he would open it up and and read that letter and uh, say, okay, uh, I will take some of your wares and sell them in my shop or whatever that might be. And and it's, it's a lot like missionaries today when they travel around. And we have a missionary every month, or we did before all this was taking place. But we, we, we look at their mission agent, agency. They have vetted them. They have uh, they've, uh, spent time with them. They know that their heart is to serve the Lord, and, and they've got a passion for a particular field. And, and so uh, because they're coming from that mission agency and we trust the mission agency, then we can trust the missionary. Or maybe we know the missionary personally. Maybe when we, we went to college with them or maybe we know their family or with, the, the, with Jordan, uh, known Jordan all of his life, you know, when he coming back from Zambia and then coming back from South Africa. And so uh, how long have I known him? Well, how old is he? And, and the, you know, they always ask you these questions. But they're letters of commendation. Now, we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but I want to look at a letter of commendation in Romans chapter 16. In Romans chapter 16, and I will read that, and you can glance there if you want to, but verses 1 and 2. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. Help her out, Paul's saying, for she hath been a helper of many, and of myself also. So uh, they send a letter with Phoebe saying, show this to the uh, church at Rome. They will help you. They will know that you're not a charlatan or you're not a, a mooch. Uh, and so, uh, look at, second, since we're in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 23 and 24, another letter of commendation. 2 Corinthians 8, 23 and 24, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Or our brethren be inquired of, they, the other guys with him, they are the messengers of the church and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Help them out. Love them. If they need something, get it for them. If they need food, buy them food uh, and, and supply them 
with those needs. Now, the purpose of a letter was to minimize somebody, a fraud, a phony, somebody that would come into church and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know the Apostle Paul, and we're, good, we're, we're just like this, you know, the two of us, and I'm here to preach, and then I expect you to take care of me. Give me a love offering, uh, put me up in your house, feed me. And, and so they carried letters to, as proof that this guy is not lying. And the problem that Paul is seeing here when he begins uh, chapter 3 is that there were men that were doing just that. And now they are saying, don't listen to what Paul says because he has, doesn't have any good letters. As if there would be somebody that could commend Paul. If there's somebody greater than Paul at this time. Well, so uh, Paul comes and he says, what are you thinking? He says, uh, you are my letters of commendation. I am the one that brought uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. That you could have your sins forgiven. That you could, you could be redeemed by Jesus Christ that you could stand justified before the throne of God, that you could come boldly to God and bring your request to him, and he will help you. He says, I should not need letters because you are my letters of commendation. You are proof that God is working through me to touch the lives of others. When you lead a friend to Christ, or a family member, what that is doing is they become your letter of commendation. That God is using you, working in you. But how does Paul develop this uh, idea of the letter? You got your letter here? How does he do that? Now, I want us to look at uh, four things about the letter. Not long on much. But uh, first of all, who's the author of this letter? That, uh, that we're supposed to be carrying around. And the letter is to commend us to those around us in this world. You know, Paul had influenced these uh, believers at Corinth. He had influenced them to come to Christ. But it was not Paul who wrote their letter. It was uh, somebody greater than Paul. Yes, there was somebody greater than Paul. And so we see that in verse 3. Who's the author of this letter? For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Christ is the author of your letter. You got your letter? Well, Christ, if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've got no letter. Nothing to share with those around you. Now, Jesus is the author, and the believers are the letter, they are read by all men. What does that mean? Read by all men. Men are watching us. They are reading us. So this letter, two things about this letter. One is it's a living letter. People uh, uh, read us. Uh, unfortunately, we might be the only letter that some read. And what are they reading? Hopefully, it is true about Jesus Christ. What they're reading 
in us about the author, Jesus Christ, is true. You know, uh, proof, proof, uh, living proof. Have you heard somebody say, so-and-so is living proof. I was trying to think, am I living proof of anything? Uh, I need to be. Catherine Hall, she died a, a couple years ago, but in her late, later 80s, mid and late 80s, she is living proof that you can still learn something after 80 years old. I mean, Sheila was learning to play the guitar. Can you imagine that? It was hard on her fingers, uh, 80-year-old fingers, to, uh, to stand, uh, withstand the pain of the frets and, and the strings. But she was learning to do it. She learned to paint. She learned to do stained glass and make uh, beautiful lamps. Living proof. I thought, well, what are you a living proof of? In this auditorium, anybody here been married 60 years uh, or more, uh, or you were married 60 years or more before your spouse died? Would you just stand? Anybody here been married 60 years or more, or you had been before your spouse died? Okay, so we have uh, one couple and uh, Shelley Wyatt. Thank you, Woolharts. Why, be, why did I ask them to do that? Because they are living proof <laughs> that it can happen. Young people, you can stay married for 60 years. Now, don't do anything stupid, Wayne and Betty. Don't destroy this picture here for us. Living proof. And so we are living letters. People can look and see that Shelley and Dick, they managed to make it 60 years together. And Wayne and Betty, 60 years together. And, and others that we know, living proof, because we are living letters. You know, our, I thought, well, our kids are living proof that uh, corporal punishment uh, doesn't destroy them. Of course, we threw in a few references to capital punishment, and that seemed to help as well uh, when we raised them. But uh, it, it, it can work. Living proof. It can work. We are living letters. I was thinking of Loretta, that uh, wolf, that uh, she is living proof that you can live through uh, a tornado or several tornadoes, I, I think. Uh, living proof. It, it can happen. Uh, we, this is a living letter. Read by all men, uh, written by Jesus Christ, uh, so that we, you got your letter? I sure hope so, but it's more than that. It's a love letter also, a love letter. It says it's written on our hearts. It's written with blood, certainly showed his love that, uh, you know, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for a friend, but in Christ's case, it was that a man lay down his life for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Hey, this is a love letter. And so we carry around in us a love letter written by Christ, saying he loved us enough to save us. Not only that, but he loved us enough to save those that are reading the letter, those that are watching what we're doing. A love letter. Have you ever written a love letter? 
you know, in third grade, you wrote that love letter. Uh, you know, Mary, I love you. Do you love me? Check the box. Yes or no. And you close it up. You write her name on it. And then she's sitting, you know, three seats in front of you, two rows over. And so you have to pass it to her during, uh, during the class. And it uh, almost makes it there before the teacher picks it up. Of course, uh, what took so long was that everybody else had to read what this was about. And they were thinking, and by the time you finally get it from the teacher, it's got four or five checks. Uh, uh, they're, they're all no, it never did, did make it to Mary or whoever it was. Uh, your, your love letter there. Um, when was the last time you wrote a love letter? You stop to think, we are love letters from Christ to those that are going to be reading us. But when is the last time you wrote a love letter? Um, when I was in the summer before Cindy and I got married, uh, I would, uh, mostly I was irrigating or I was doing other things around the ranch there in Montana, and I carried with me a little spiral notebook. And I tried every day that at the close of the day, and I just think of certain times, I think of sitting on the hillside, and the, the sun's about to go down over the Ruby Mountains there, and uh, it would be around uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the evening, and I'd take out my little notebook and a pen, and, and I would write really small. That was... Now I, I couldn't even see the piece of paper it was written on, but then I would write really small. I'd write to Cindy. And they were love letters, though, you know, they weren't mushy. Because I was just telling her, this is what I did today. This is how many snakes, rattlesnakes I killed today. This is what my Bob boss said about the rattlesnakes they put in the garage or in the barn. Uh, it weren't pleasant. Um, you know, and I would just write why? So when she would get them, she would know that I was thinking about her, a love letter, thinking about her. So this letter from Christ is a living letter read by all men, and it is a love letter to express Christ's love to those that are reading the letter. Uh, man, when's the last time you wrote a love letter to your wife? You can't remember? Well, I can, but I'll, I'll mention that later. But that might be an assignment for you this week. Write a love letter to your spouse. A love letters can be beautiful. They can be valuable, uh, depending on who the author is. Abraham Lincoln, you got a love letter uh, signed by Abe. Uh, that would be very valuable and probably a forgery. Uh, or George Washington, uh, they reveal something about the author. And uh, Cindy and I had our love letters in a box for a while. Kind of, it's kind of like the shape of a shoebox. It might have been that. And, and we hid that until our kids got old enough they started to read. <laughs> and so we burned them, although it wasn't... It wasn't a lot of mushy stuff there at all. Uh, it's just corny. Uh, that's kind of what we were thinking at the time. Now I wish that we still had them. 
Uh, but I think they, we thought they were corny at the time. What if our kids, oh, oh man, they'd snicker and laughing about these letters, expressing our love, uh, but I wish we still had them. Now, we're letters written by Christ, love letters, living letters. But what do the people think about Christ that read your letter from Christ to them? And sometimes they might get a distorted view of Christ's love for them. Our TV repairman just never got around to get up on the roof and replace the antenna that had been destroyed by a storm. And he was a professional in town. And, and so a, a, new, a guy moved into town across the street from the professional TV guy. And he got ready to install his antenna. And that was in the days you had antennas. Uh, half of you don't know what one is. But, uh, so he got up on the roof and he saw how his, the TV repairman across the street had his positioned. And he just fastened, did everything that this guy had. And so he broke off an apparently useless arm of his antenna. Just because the TV repairman was showing a distorted view of what was best. And maybe that's what people see when they read your letter or my letter. I hope not. But it is scary. It is sobering, isn't it? To think that people are reading you. You are the experts on Christ. Why? Because you go to church. What church? It doesn't matter. You go to church, you're an expert on Jesus. And so if you struggle, and we all do, and we all get spiritually sick at times, and, uh, and we are living letters, that means that we are changing letters all the time. We are hopefully becoming more like Jesus Christ. So what do they see? Now, the author of the letter is Christ. What's the ink and quill or pen that writes this letter. It tells us that in verse 3 as well. Uh, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Wow. Not crayon, as maybe your first love letter was written with. Not pencil lead, which fades quite quickly. Not permanent ink. Because permanent ink is not permanent. It eventually fades. I, a uh, hundred years ago, I was teaching school, and I, uh, a girl came up to me, Sue Bergen, and uh, she was a, a tall girl, and she came up to me, and she ha- was working on her pen, and she squirted ink all over my white shirt at that time. I was wearing a white shirt. Blue, big blue blotch. I couldn't get mad at Sue. She was, uh, she was just a real nice girl, quiet. And she started to laugh. And I was, I knew something was up. And I, I looked at that blue ink. We just stood there and watched. And that blue ink just faded away. You know, disappearing ink. She thought it was great. All the kids were standing around. They thought that was great. And it was. It was fun. But we're, our letter is not written with disappearing ink, hopefully. 
where you've got a letter for Jesus Christ and you want uh, people to read it and uh, there's nothing there. I'm afraid that there are some that are that way, that they have said a little prayer and they've said the right words and, uh, and they go through life, but it's disappeared. It's not there. Their, their sins are not forgiven. Their life is not changed. There's no desire to serve the Lord. What's the problem? Disappearing ink. It wasn't written by the Holy Spirit. Here, uh, this is eternal ink. Got that? The Holy Spirit is eternal ink, not permanent ink, although it is permanent. But even permanent ink begins to fade. What's remarkable, something remarkable happens with this letter is that the Holy Spirit never fades. In fact, he becomes sharper in our lives. The print becomes clearer. Why? Because Romans 8, 29 says, because we're becoming conformed to the image of his son. We're sharper and sharper. We're looking more and more like Jesus Christ. That is the goal for a believer. The Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. The Holy Spirit works in you, the work of redemption. Uh, he floods our hearts or fills us. He assists us in, in our praying he provides us with the strength for victory, Galatians chapter 5. He seals us as a guarantee of eternal life, uh, seen in Ephesians 1, but all over the, the scriptures. But he becomes sharper the longer we walk with Jesus Christ. I think that's great. What's the tablet or parchment that uh, this letter is written on? In those days, it was papyrus or animal skins, uh, tanned animal skins, and they would write on those with as permanent of ink as they could find. But what's the tablet that this letter is written on? Seen also in the last part of verse 3, not in tablets of stone. Now, he goes on to explain what the tablets of stone are, and, and we read those verses here, uh, Steve read those verses in the next part. Tablets of stone were the uh, stones that God gave Moses, at Christ writing, first of all, with his finger on the stone, Moses becoming upset with the Israelites, breaking the stones, and then Moses spending another uh, 40 days uh, chiseling out uh, the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. Uh, the tablets of stone were glorious, but... Uh, they were ministrations of death, it says there. All the tablets of stone said, hey, we're, we're all sinners and we're on our way to hell. And uh, there's, there's nothing that you can do about it. I hope you understand that. That's what the Ten Commandments tell us. It's a school teacher to lead us to, okay, well, what can I do? If they're not going to save me and I'm trying the best I can and I just can't succeed, because we can't succeed, at keeping the law, what are we going to do? And then that brings us to Christ who kept the law and died in our place. But that's the tablets of stone. But he says, not on tablets of stone, not tables of stone or tablets. Um, Jeremiah 31, one of the prophets in verse 33 says, the Lord declares, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. 
Jeremiah comes along and says, hey, we should realize that these uh, laws written on stone will not do it. In the future, and he's looking forward to Jesus Christ. In the future, it's going to be written on our minds and in our hearts, and it's going to mean something, not just a list of rules and a list of do's and don'ts. And sometimes we can fall into that. If we do this, 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 and this, then we're going to go to heaven. Or, uh, you know, we do the good things, and they're going to uh, do the good things and don't do the bad things, then it will lead us to heaven some way, or at least shorter time in purgatory or whatever uh, they might be. It does not work that way. That is not scriptural. It says the letter of Christ is written on our hearts. And it shows others Jesus by the things we say and by the things we do. See, the good news was never written on tables of stone. That was bad news. Now it tells us God's character. So it was glorious, Paul says here in those verses we read earlier. It was glorious, but something much more glorious. That was the bad news. The good news, the great news is Jesus came and died so that we can have our sins forgiven and stand before a holy God and not receive condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We can stand declared righteous and holy before a living God because we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not our own. It's written on our hearts. This love letter is written on our hearts. So uh, who's the mail carrier? So we know that the, letter, the author was Jesus Christ. The ink and quill was the Holy Spirit. The tablet was our hearts or is our hearts. Who's the mail carrier? Um, I mentioned that I, I remember the last love letter that I wrote to Cindy. I think it, uh, I'm embarrassed that it's been three or four years. Cindy doesn't know because I never gave her that letter. Uh, I went to Canada fishing uh, over our anniversary. <laughs> boo, boo. Uh, uh, and so that was the dates that these other guys that I went with, they had free. And, and so I went, and I remember sitting in the, in the cabin. It was probably raining. And uh, thinking of Cindy, and I, I wrote a poem, and I, it is corny. So I never gave it to her. I, I kept it, or I keep it in a little box I have in our laundry room of special things. Now, you can bet that Cindy's going to be going through that box <laughs> this afternoon after all the festivities of our, our picnic that we're having there to see what corny stuff I wrote. And in the form of a poem, it's got to be bad, you know. But, um, but who's the mail carrier of your letter? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, it says, Now then we are ambassadors of Christ. Or for Christ. We got your letter. We're carrying it. How are you doing? Is the letter you're showing those around? Uh, a letter that uh, says, 
you know, Christ wrote this letter and he says, this guy who is carrying this letter, I have redeemed. I have forgiven him. I love him. I'm, I'm counting on him to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and to be successful as best as humans can be successful at following Jesus Christ. Is that what people read when you deliver the letter to them? Or do they see somebody who is as vile as the rest of the world? Oh, don't you think that that would break God's heart? Christ's heart? His reputation is on the line. You write a letter for a businessman, a letter of recommendation, you give it to him. He carries this letter of recommendation to another businessman and says, hey, he's vouching for my character and he's a shyster. Can you imagine how that would make you feel? Hey, I vouched for you. Jordan, I vouched for you. Behave yourself at college. Uh, because my name, my reputation is on the line. I don't have much, but Jesus Christ does. How are you doing? Got your letter? Now deliver it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words from Paul. And though as we study these verses, it almost seems like uh, Abbott and Costello, uh, who's on first reading, who's the letter, what's the letter, who wrote, Lord, might we see that we are your letter of commendation to a world that is looking for a little stability. Might we be you here to those around us, please. And I pray if there's somebody here that's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that right now they might get their letter of commendation, that they might cry out to you and ask you to forgive them of their sin, to cleanse them, wash them clean, fill, you with, fill them with the Holy Spirit, empower them to be victorious in areas where they're struggling. So, Lord, I pray that they might get their letter today, either here in the auditorium or those that are watching on TV. Lord, I pray that they might know that they carry the Holy Spirit within, and it's certainly not invisible or disappearing ink, but ink that gets sharper every day that we walk with you. Lord, direct our paths. Be with the mail delivery service this week from First Baptist Church in Jesus Christ. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.